Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckert. We are back. We took a brief hiatus, I guess, for Blazers Edge night. We were both in Portland at the game for Blazers Edge night and we're unable to record last week. So we are back. We have a lot to cover because of that and everything that's been going on. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I've made it back to sunny, dry, Boise, Idaho. And you are back in California. How are you? I am. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm racing back from shooting a, a G League playoff game. They're in the playoffs now. It's kind of funny because it's the Lakers team and the actual Lakers team did not make the playoffs. So uh, that feels kind of good to have the Lakers <laughs> miss the play-in. Oh, man. I think we talked about it. Didn't we talk about it or, or preseason? What a bad pickup. Russell Westbrook was going to be. It's not like nobody could have called that. I think a lot of people kind of did, but it was worse than imagined. And uh, it's one of those things where, like, it's not his talent. It's literally his style of play. And then LeBron, uh, and those are not going to mix. And then Anthony Davis. And it's it's just, there was no way that was going to work. This is a great argument for the fact that you cannot just take the most talented players, throw them together and hope that it works because talent isn't enough. There are other aspects that that have to play a part. And in this case, you know, that's a team with a lot of skill and a lot of talent, a lot of, you know, experience, and they just can't cut it. They're not playing well. Look at their look at their roster compared to the roster we've been playing with. The records are similarly bad. Yeah. So when you think about that, like it's not all it's been cracked up to be. Well, it's one of those things where a lot of things need to go right. I mean, it's not the same. I'm sure next year's Blazers will fare better than this year's Lakers. But there seems to be like, okay, well, if you put Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons and Josh Hart and get Jeremy Grant and Yusuf Nurkic, that's a really powerful starting five. On paper, it is. Look, there's multi-skilled there. But you don't have defense from the guards. You don't have three-point shooting that's reliable from the forwards unless things change, and they can, but it's not automatic, you know? It's like, and if the thing is, if those forwards don't hit threes, if those guards don't play any defense, that's not going to work out like you think it is, even though it looks good on paper. So, I think, like I said, I think they'd be a step up. I don't think they'd miss the playoffs, but if you're thinking about angling for a championship, Things have to go right, and everybody has to make everybody else better to have even a chance at doing that. We're seeing that happen with, for instance, the Suns this year. Uh, You have to catch that lightning in a bottle with your chemistry and synergy, or it's not going to work. Yeah, it feels like the Lakers just slowly fell apart all season. Like, it just continued to just piece by piece fall apart. And, you know, it'll be interesting. I would be shocked if LeBron goes back next year to be honest i think he'll end up somewhere else i i've thrown out his name if there was ever a possibility to get him on the blazers him and dame would be fun together but i know that comes with its own set of problems and it's unlikely 
You but can't it'll get be him and Dame to together. You'd have to trade Dame to get him. And even then, I don't think they'd do it. I don't think they'd trade AD to get Dame either, but that would be the more realistic move probably. No, Dame, Dame's not getting traded. But I, I, I understand I, in your point of view, but the Lakers aren't going to go for that. I don't know. I posed that question before that, you know, if, if we could get LeBron like for picks or something along those lines, which the Lakers need, would you jump on that? If we could keep Dame and have Dame and LeBron playing together, it was interesting to see the response that I got. I, you know, it was it, actually, most people said that they would take LeBron and I, anyway, that's a whole discussion for another day. Why another day? If you're going to keep Damian Lillard and you can get LeBron James, you have to do that. Yeah. That, that's better yeah. than a Jeremy Grant pickup. Look, your window is small and your chances of succeeding are tiny. Uh, at least if succeeding is getting a championship with Dame, there's yep. there's almost no chance right now. If, if yeah. LeBron opens that window even a crack, that's at least some air coming in. So why would you not spend your assets to do that if you're going to keep Dame? And by the way, if you wouldn't take LeBron, why would you keep Dame then? That's just the height of stupidity because like it's saying, well, I'm going to keep Dame, but I'm not actually going to try to win with him right now. I, I, I don't understand that logic. I think that LeBron is an interesting situation because, you know, he's he's been one of the best players to ever. I mean, he's in the argument for the greatest player of all time, but he's nearing the end of his career. You know, he's getting older. He's obviously his body has not been this year what it's been in the past. So he struggled with uh, injuries a little bit more. And I think but I, I think there's a lot of of interesting narrative around LeBron because I don't think he's going to want to stay in L.A. I, I That's my hunch. Just I, It's not based off anything other than what everybody else is seeing, too. But there aren't really a lot of places that could absorb him. It would be interesting to see. You know, I think Cleveland would be obviously a front runner for him to go back and kind of finish his career there, depending on where Bronny ends up when he gets in the league, because that's obviously been a conversation. But I could actually see him going to Portland. It's not that far from L.A. It's a quick flight. He clearly likes Dame. Every single All-Star game, Dame's like the first one he picks on the reserves. Like, he he likes playing with Dame. I could see it. I think it's still a little far-fetched just because of what it would probably take to get him, but I don't think it's I don't think it's impossible, but I do think it's a little bit far-fetched. Well, if he doesn't want to come, you don't want him. You don't want to be the team that LeBron doesn't want no. to play for. But if he did want to come, oh, LeBron's getting old. Oh no, he's only scoring 30 points a game right, with eight, right. eight rebounds and six assists, and I'm not exaggerating. Those are literally yeah. his stats. Now, I know he only played in 56 games, but what incentive did he have to play in more? Uh, they weren't. He knew they weren't going anywhere. And you know, if you can get fifty-six games out of LeBron James, you would take that, even for those yeah. draft picks. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's even an argument. I think the argument is how do you get him? And uh, yeah. if the Lakers are desperate enough to take those picks for him, yeah, I don't ever, I don't ever advert advocate for bringing somebody like that to a team against their will because we all know how that goes we're watching that happen with other guys in the nba who don't want to be on the teams that they're on and what a problem that's causing especially with superstars you don't ever in my opinion you don't ever want to bring a guy like that to your to your team that doesn't want to be there there's a lot of factors there it'll be interesting i am secretly going to be not so secretly clearly because i'm saying this on the podcast but i will be i will be following what goes on there and and in the back of my mind i'm just going to be 
watching out for this because, you know, it, crazier things have happened. Who would have thought that at the beginning of this season that we would be talking about the starting lineup that we've had this, you know, who would have thought that Greg Brown, the third would be starting and, and, and hitting, you know, three pointers and whatever else he's been doing, like who would have thought so stranger things have happened than LeBron James joining the Blazers. David, could it, it could happen. Maybe. I mean, I suppose <laughs> I, I don't see LA cause they don't have anything to sell then. That's the issue. Now, if they figure he's going to leave next year anyway, maybe they get some common sense. But there's a reason they got Russell Westbrook. Uh, you know, it was because of his name. It's because that they can sell that team, and that team looks good, uh, at least if you're dumb. Uh, so they're not going to, you know, draft picks don't look good. And even Anthony Simons probably wouldn't look good on paper. And I think in LA, they're just, they've got people there who want names. So anyway, if they could, yeah, the Blazers can do it. I'd, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Uh, it's unless they're going to trade Dame. There's no way yeah. to reconcile keeping Dame and not taking LeBron if he's available. So we need to get into that, but let's talk real quick about, I don't even think it's worth summarizing the games. We had a loss to the Oklahoma city thunder, a loss to the Pelicans, a loss to the Spurs, another loss to the Spurs, another loss to Oklahoma City Thunder, five losses. One could argue that that's actually a win for the Blazers who are attempting to tank. Uh, we have now guaranteed our 2022 pick, so that is good news. It has been something watching this team lose. I will say that to their credit, they are giving good games. They are playing. They're not. They're not getting blown out. They're you know they're keeping them close. They're playing good. But they're fun to watch. There's a lot of young talent that's getting time. So that's good. That was but two it's weeks been a ago, Dia. No, we can't sell that anymore. They're not playing well anymore. They they don't have the same energy. They don't have the same attention to sets. They in fact we're talking on Tuesday night uh, after this loss to the Thunder. They messed around and almost won this game. It's like, oops. <laughs> but the yeah. Thunder... Who's going to tank harder? Yeah, the Thunder are terrible. Terrible. Yeah. And I the Blazers were up 19 and still found a way to lose it. And I don't... I'm joking. But I don't think they were actually trying to tank it. They were actually that bad. I mean, and they have been playing this whole rah-rah thing that I, I was doing three weeks ago. I was doing four weeks ago. It was exciting. Um, it's It's gone by the wayside. The league has figured them out. And even the bad teams and this is the famous oh no ralph wiggum is beating me up i mean that's it, it, simpson's not politically correct anymore but it's like you, you're losing to the dregs and this season has got to get over there's no reason to watch these games anymore up to and including i will say this they're all but guaranteed the sixth seed now the tank's no good anymore uh they can get down if they lose all three of their remaining games and the teams that have worse records win all of their remaining games there would be an, a, a tie but those teams aren't going to win their remaining games uh so the blazers basically probably can't get caught by sacramento and won't catch anybody who's behind them we now know for all intents and purposes that they're going to sit in sixth i still enjoy watching the team i, I i'm always going to find even when we're losing there's enjoyment there for me i think there's redeeming factors there i think it's not fun to lose, but I think that there there are there are some fun players here to watch. I obviously was working tonight. I didn't see the game tonight, so I can't speak to this one. But I don't know. It, it's I'll say this: it sure was fun being in the Moda Center. Mm -hmm. um, we you know we had Blazers Edge Night. I have not been back to a home game 
in Portland, I was trying to figure out when the last one I was at was, and I don't even really remember. It was probably 25, 30 years ago. That's how long it's been since I've been to a home game in Portland. And it was cool. I went, I went to one before Blazers Edge Night um, because I, on a whim last minute when I got there, the day that I got into town, and it was really cool to get to be there and to be a fan and to just soak it up and enjoy watching them play. Um, and then for Blazers Edge Night, I actually ended up credentialed and sh- and photographed the game. So that was a different... I'm glad that I got to go to the other game as well because I feel like when I'm shooting a game, I don't see it the same. But the energy in there, even when we were not winning, even with the team that we currently have, the energy in there was palpable. And maybe that's just as someone who hasn't been with a crowd of Blazers fans in my adult life, but it was so cool to be with the fans that were cheering for the same team that I was cheering for. I'm used to everyone around me cheering for the other team. And so it was just really, really, really cool to see all of that and to see the stadium and, and the arena and how it's, you know, it's all very blazery and it just, I felt like a little kid and it was so cool. The, the crowd, I think it's good sports. I mean, very, as you say, blazer ish, although I will admit that I raised an eyebrow when they announced the crowd at the game we were there at like 18,700 people, which is basically almost 1921st of the arena. Uh, there were not 19 of 21 seats filled there. Uh, there were big swaths of emptiness. But uh, the people who were there, I mean, cheered at the appropriate times. And every time the Blazers gave them a reason to, they got up and, you know, went for it. And in those moments where it wasn't so good, they didn't complain. I think everybody knew the score. Everybody knew it was there. And it was almost like, I hate to say it, but it's similar atmosphere to like being here in Boise. They have a single A baseball league. Uh, It's been here for a long time and people go there and they root for the young players. You know, they know it's not going to be major league baseball, uh, but they root for, the players to, you know, grow and uh, have great experiences and it's good. And it had a little bit of that vibe, which I think is smart uh, to adopt that. Yeah, it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And it was cool to get to meet some of the Blazers Edge staff. You know, we don't really, you know this obviously, but for those that are listening, we aren't in the same place. We're not in an office together. So, you know, we have interactions on Slack and on social media, but we hadn't been in this. I hadn't been in the same room with anybody until Blazers Edge Night, we we met briefly afterwards, but it was cool to put a face to names because some some people don't even you know have their picture on their social media, so I didn't know what they looked like. Um, so you you put faces and voices and personality to the words and interactions, and that was really cool. You know, it's it's just a, a quality group of people that that work with this site. Yeah, it's always a nice. Uh, uh event. This year, we were much more subdued than usual because of COVID. Next year, hopefully, we'll be able to do it right. We usually get together the night before for a dinner, and we all talk for hours, and then we're all sitting together at the game. There was a technical snafu with the tickets, and that didn't happen. So it was a minor version of what we really do, but still fun. And next year, it will be even bigger and better. But I'll tell you what wasn't minor, what was just as good as ever, was sitting among the participants. And I was nestled right among some of them. And yes, it was a Thunder game, and yes, it didn't matter, and yes, it was better for the Blazers to lose it probably in the long run. But even when that game went into overtime, 
people were completely cheering, and those kids wanted the Blazers to win. I mean, they were full throat screaming. It was like the Blazers were making the playoffs. Uh, and it, the, the disappointment wasn't that palpable when they lost. It was fine. But the, the whole excitement of that last minute, you know, frenzy and trying to score and all that uh, was just, it was really, really good. And you forget for a moment that the world isn't innocent. You forget yeah. for a moment about the tank. Uh, and you just, I really wanted the Blazers to win for those kids. So yeah. uh, that is always, always special. And this year proved it, if if nothing else does. And for some of these people, I mean, first of all, for a lot of them, it's always their first Blazer game and maybe only Blazer game. But also one of the first times to get out into a large public event in a long time and to socialize and to do those things in a, a larger group. So that was really a fantastic night. And thank you to everyone who made it possible. Yeah, absolutely. It was really cool to see. So I'm, I'm really glad that, that I got to be there. And again, you know, I, I was down shooting, so I, I didn't get to see it. I wasn't in the midst of the kids, but when you looked around, you could see it, you could see the excitement. And, and that was really cool. It's just such a cool thing. And I, I think, you know, as someone whose fandom was formed as a child, I look at situations like that. And I think this is these kinds of things are the things that make fans for life. These are the kinds of things where these kids are are going to turn around and, and, you know, 20 years from now, they're going to talk about that one time they got to go to Blazers Edge Night and and became a fan of the Portland Trailblazers. And I just think that there's something so cool about that and about getting to be even a small part of that. Yeah, I mean, it is it transforms things for a lot of people and it's always been special that way and hopefully will continue to be and we thank everyone who brought kids too i mean it's amazing yeah. the amount of work these adults go to chartering buses and you know distributing tickets and making sure everything works right works right and it's fun to see them too it's a big moment for them uh to watch their kids the the story i hear over and over again every year is i always have to work with these kids and Life isn't easy for any of us. And so there's a shell that each of us has around us. And it's very functional, our relationship, a lot of times. But I get to see them be kids for a night. I yeah. get to see them have fun. And more than that, I get to take them to have fun. I get to be the one who made this happen. And that's a great gift to give those people who work with kids who are underserved uh, and who don't always get to experience, you know, good things that we take for granted. Uh, I, I love every bit of it and uh, we'll pick it up again next year and send even more kids. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a great thing. The next night after Blazers Edge night was CJ McCollum's return with the Pelicans. I watched at home with my youngest son, who is a huge CJ McCollum fan. And it was really interesting, you know, watching it through his eyes and explaining to him what was going on uh, and he caught on real fast. And it's interesting because before that game, I asked him if he wanted to go watch CJ play for the Pelicans when they came to LA. And he said, no, he only wanted to watch the Blazers. But by the end of that Blazers Pelicans game, I'm afraid I lost him. And he may be a Pelicans fan now because he was so excited to see CJ again, but it was, it was really cool to watch just the welcome that CJ got. It was, I, from what I read, it was almost two minutes long of people standing and clapping. Um, and I think that that's incredible. I think it's well-deserved. I'm glad to see that for him. And, and one of the things that was really cool, I was watching it on TV. I wasn't even there, 
And when the first few times that CJ scored a three-pointer or any shot, the crowd went wild, which is when you stop and think about the fact that the home crowd was cheering for the other team because it was CJ making those points. That's just really cool. And I love that that's the impact that CJ left. I love that he was so loved that when he scored against our team, people were out of their seats cheering for him. That has to be such a cool feeling. Yeah. I mean, see Portland, you can do it. It, it, it works out. I mean, it's sad he's not here, but, you know, he's playing for another team and you get to enjoy his exploits and a different look for your team, too. So let this be a, a lesson. CJ does absolutely deserves that applause. Uh, and it's one of those things where, I mean, yes, almost everybody at one point or another talked about trading him because, frankly, that needed to happen. It probably needed to happen sooner than it actually did. But that doesn't mean that he's not an amazing player. Uh, had he not been yeah. who he was, those discussions never would have happened because they never would have mattered. So yeah. it's okay. This is part of the business. And it is not a violation of a player's dignity or a team's sanctity in order to engage in trades. Uh, it, is, uh, it is part of what you do as a professional basketball team. And you love them every moment that you're here and you support them when they go on to other teams and wish well for them. Yeah, and he seems to be doing well there. I think it's, it's great to see him in an environment where he's thriving um, and, and playing his best oh, version yeah. of himself. He is. I mean, have you, have you checked him out? Have you, have yeah. you watched him play and looked at his yeah. stats? I mean, his stats are He's doing really huge. well. And he and Brandon Ingram together are, are solid. That's a solid pair. If, if Zion comes back and plays with them, that's going to be a team that you might want to be a little bit afraid of, honestly. Yeah. I mean, remember we said for a long time, okay, we need to get CJ out from Dame shadow. Uh, yep. to see if he can, A, become number one option, and B, like, can he control an offense? And yeah. he's not exactly, you know, he's he's not the only guard on the floor there. But 26 points a game in New Orleans is fantastic, obviously. But six assists as well. I mean, and yeah. that's more than he was than he ever averaged in Portland any at any time. And he's shooting 50% from the floor, 40% from the arc. So all of that delicious shooting came back. This was good for him to, to do this. So there's nothing wrong with this deal. Uh, and yay, you know, excellent CJ. It's, it's, I'm happy for him. One of the things that has been really cool about my job and, and the experiences that I have been able to have is that I, I meet some interesting people and one of the people that I've gotten to be friends with over the last couple months as I've shot the South Bay Lakers is Coach Yim, who used to be with the Blazers. Um, and he was, you know, he was part of Terry Stott's coaching staff. And now he's coaching with the South Bay Lakers. And so I've gotten to know him and he is still close with CJ. And so um, a couple days ago, I got a text message from, from Jonathan Yim saying, uh, hey, what's your, your youngest son's name that really likes CJ. And I said, his name's Jesse. And a few minutes later, I got a text message of a video uh, of CJ talking to Jesse and just telling him, you know, how he was glad to have him as a fan and, and whatnot. But it was really funny because at the end, he said something about getting him in a Pelicans jersey so that he can put the red and black behind him. And I thought, you know, CJ's doing that. CJ's kind of in a place now where 
he's putting that that was a, a good part of his life but he's moving on you know he he's moving on he's he's doing essentially for him bigger things um and and i'm just really happy to see him in a place where he seems to really be thriving and i wish him the best i i hope that cj ends up whether it's with the pelicans or somewhere else i hope before he retires he wins a championship i will be rooting for that for him and so will my son, apparently, no matter what team he's on. <laughs> uh, we got a couple other odds and ends of things. Um, you know, Reggie Perry's back with the team again on a hardship contract. It's been kind of hard to keep up with this season because of COVID and all the, the changes to the rules that they've made and, and the ins and the outs. You know, I think we pointed out a couple weeks ago that uh, Drew Eubanks was on his fourth 10-day contract, whereas it used to be that you couldn't have more than two without uh, signing a longer contract, and, and people are in and out. And so we've got Reggie Perry back. We've also got Chris Dunn and Drew Eubanks both signed for the rest of the season. They're no longer on 10-day contracts. So lots of stuff happening on that front. You know, the, the, the whole team is pretty much sitting. Technically, 10-day contract is the rest of the season at this point. It ends True. in a, in Good a couple, point. In a couple point. of days uh, from uh, from the published perspective of this podcast. Next time we okay, talk, so, the season will be done. Yeah, so you're right. I guess it would just be one more 10-day contract, the way that that was worded. Uh, maybe, but you're right. Because then in my head, I'm calculating, well, wait, are they? So then are they two-way? I was trying to figure out where they fit in, but that makes sense. They're signed for the rest of the season on another 10-day contract, apparently. <laughs> Which is wild. I can't believe we're already at that place in the year. Yeah, in some ways Damn. it seemed like it went so quickly, and in other ways, like it should be over now. The Blazers it should feels just like we've played three seasons. Yeah, well, we we have, but the yeah. Blazers should also just be able to check check a tick box or tick a check box, whatever, and say we quit. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> just take these last three games. You win. You know. I will say I'm incredibly proud of us, Dave, that we have. Other than I think two weeks, we have recorded this podcast week after week after week with lots of content, with lots of actually fairly positive and uplifting content. Not always, but a lot of it. And I think I think that we also deserve to say we quit <laughs> at this point because it's been it has been a season. Yes. Well I mean you're gonna get your wish not in us quitting like the podcast, but uh next week will be fundamentally different it will be done this is the last week that we're going to recap games of any sort or even mention games there's there's no reason there's no reason to talk about basketball wise anything that's happened over the last two and a half weeks unless they win no and and yeah i mean maybe we'll get i mean beating new orleans or something but i don't think even that matters even anymore so this is absolutely this isn't even the dog days this is just like the dragging your carcass home uh part of this season but absolutely new perspective next week summing up the season and then after that draft draft lottery what happens in the summer going to be an entire summer of re uh aligning the roster, making decisions about who to keep and how much that costs and all that. So it's going to be actually a really exciting, uh, dramatic in many ways off season. Yeah, it really is. I, I feel like this is, it seems like a lot of times the off season for the Blazers isn't that crazy because we've had Neil, you know, doing Neil things and keeping things kind of how they are. 
But if you look at just the trade deadline and the chaos that ensued around that, I anticipate that the offseason is going to be uh, slightly chaotic. Uh, and I think it needs to be. It needs to be slightly chaotic for the Blazers to be in a, in a position that we need them to be in going into next season. I was going to also mention that Nurk and Ant are out for the season. But I mean, again, we're talking about, you know, just a few days. So I think that ship has sailed and no one is surprised by that. So, yeah, I guess we are kind of we're kind of there. We're kind of at the end of the season. I would not have guessed at the beginning of this season that we would be winning, what, 27, 28 games out of 28. You really think they're going to win another one? I'm just leaving room for what could <laughs> be, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, we gotta leave a little bit of hope alive here. It's it just it's it's the nature of of what I do. I can't just smush it completely. I, I mean, fair. The tank won't matter uh, in a minute, so they're free to win. But I don't think they've been losing intentionally. I think they've been losing because they lose. And the last yeah. three opponents are the Pelicans, and the Mavericks, and the Jazz. So that would be something to beat uh, any of them. Uh, so, hey, I mean, maybe there is one more good win left. It would sure be fun. It would be fun to go out with, with a solid win. Yeah, well, it's be fun to go out with anyone. But uh, it's not going to uh, – it's probably not going to happen. I mean, I don't – some of these games won't matter probably, especially maybe the last game of the season won't matter to the opponent. But, again – We've been losing somewhat honestly to the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, and the Houston Rockets, by the way. So, like, even if it doesn't matter to Utah, I'm not sure they can field a team bad enough to actually lose to us at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, all it takes is one burst of winning energy for the Blazers and one... I don't know, Dave. Let maybe me have it could this. Happen. It could happen. I just don't. I don't think it will, but maybe they'll surprise us. It's okay. We'll hope for it. I mean, I'm hoping for it. It'd be like one more writing about one more win. I mean, I've had to recap most of these games this year. And wow, writing after sim about similar loss after similar loss is a lot. I was talking to to some of the guys that I that I work with for with South Bay tonight and and they were talking about a couple years ago when the team was just really awful and they kept losing and how exhausting it was to come to work night after night after night knowing they were going to lose knowing they were going to get pummeled trying to figure out what to focus on with their social media and things like that and uh you know it's it's tough it's tough when you I think about Amara a lot who it runs the social media for the Trailblazers and how well she does that, even with the losses and how they always kind of find the good in things. And I think it's been a rough season for the Blazers, the team. It's been a rough season for the people who cover the team, for the people who work for the team. It's been a rough season for the fans. It's just been rough. And I think all of us are going to breathe a collective sigh of relief as the season comes to an end and we go into the summer knowing that we made it through we made it through the tank they're going to make moves dame will be back next year Anthony simons will be back next year nurkic will be back next year nasir little will be back next year they're not going to be you know on the injury list anymore we are hopeful and anticipating and we are going to be able to go back to 
being a competitive team, hopefully working towards the playoffs, the Western Conference Finals, and maybe even championship. Jeremy Grant will be back next year. I mean, Jeremy Grant will be back next year, whether anybody likes it or not. That seems to be pretty much etched in stone at this point. Question is, do they have to move Josh Hart for him? And I don't think so. I think that that actually, that Detroit, the reason they wouldn't want Josh Hart is they're not trying to take back salary. And I know he's not guaranteed, but I don't think they want him. I think the, the one of the keys to the Blazers well, is keeping him. And Cronin said that they want to find more Josh Hart's, that Josh Hart is staying with the team as of this season. They were saying that they have no plans to, to move him, that he's staying and they want more of him. So I, I kind of anticipate he's not going anywhere. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be funny though, that we want more Josh Hart's. We traded the actual one. We've got a few different ones. It's like, it's like an actor in Hollywood, an actor in Hollywood. Who's not, dead yet but they say i want a this actor type but not actually that actor (laughs) yeah like yeah i i think he's gonna stay i think a lot i think i don't know my brain is too tired to try to figure out no i I think that's correct i think that's what they're going to try to pull off and again that's the most interesting permutation by far because then you probably start hart and grant in the front court little bit small, but mobile, defensively apt, will share the ball. It's good. And then the big question, you probably have more questions about your backcourt than your frontcourt at that point. We're going to have a lot to talk about in the offseason. We'll, we'll just say that. It's it's not going to be, I think, what we're used to as Blazer fans. Uh, it's We're going to have a lot to talk about. We yep. have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Well, anything else happening this week? Uh, no, I think that pretty much covers what we've got. You know, we, we had a, a little hiatus there last week as we did Blazers Edge Night. But really, you know, especially with the way the games have been going, it's not worth summarizing them. So we've pretty much covered what we have to cover for, for this episode, I think. I mean, we could get a sad trombone sound effect and summarize the, the week. It's just... Let's I, I, not. Let's just... I, let's just... No, I mean, watching this, it's pretty incredible. Like, literally... It's funny to see people make the right plays most of the time. Now, part of it is that they're not making the right plays. They're not making plays as crisply or as often as they used to. Part of it is that their plays are fairly simple and the league has caught up. Uh, But part of it is also just they don't have effective players out there, especially on defense. So it's like you see them go into the lane and rotate appropriately and they did it right. And the result is still bad because they don't have anyone over six foot nine. And that's what they're lucky if they have someone who's six foot nine. So it's like, yeah, you're there. You're defending me. Now I'm just going to shoot it over you as like, wow. I mean, there's just a certain level of weirdness that goes on with that. It's like, finally, you did the right thing. And it's working out paradoxically worse it's it's curious it's you know i actually halfway enjoy it in a, in a sense because you can see clearly what they're trying to do you can see what is supposed to happen right but yeah. uh it's just having it not work is just the irony level is cranked all the way to 11 it's finally what you always wanted and then it's it's just not what you wanted if nothing else comes from this season I mean, obviously the 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 high pick is is good, but if nothing else comes from this season, 
we have a lot of young guys that got to develop at a much faster pace than they would have otherwise. And I'm hopeful that, you know, if they continue working with them through the off season, that maybe some of these guys will turn into regular rotation players for us. And that will be worth it. That seems like a good silver lining. Yeah, some of them will. Most of them better not be back, frankly. But we get to, you know what we get to do, Dia? The season is ending. Guess what that means it's time for? Oh. We get to do Keeper Yeet again. And I don't want to do Keeper Yeet. Oh, I want to keep them all. We have so many players. Oh, you can't this time. Oh, my gosh. You We're gonna made have to- me yeet last time, and it traumatized me, and I don't want to do it again. We're going to have to put you on hoarders. We're going to have to get you some intervention. <laughs> You've got like a storage unit full of players you don't need and aren't even that good. It's like, we might need that someday. That, no, okay, wait. You We've got to put y- that one away. You know what's ironic about that is I am not somebody who does that in my life. I get rid of stuff. I get rid of every, I mean, I remember one time one of my kids drew me a picture and brought it to me and, you know, showed me and I said, oh, it's beautiful, blah, blah, you know, whatever. And then I threw it away. And one of my friends was with me and she said, what, you're not going to keep it? I said, I cannot keep everything. And I, I don't, I don't keep them. I'm not somebody that keeps things like that. But when you're talking about people, it's really hard for me because I get attached there's every single player on this team. There are things that I can sit here and say, well, I like this about them or I like that about them. So when when you rip them apart and and not rip them apart, but like rip one of them out of the team and put them in front of me and say, all right, which are we getting rid of him or are we keeping him? It, I, I can't. I, it's almost impossible for me to do that because I look at that and it's like, OK, they may not fit in as you know this with the team or whatever but i don't want to get rid of them because i like this this and this it's just i'm attached i get attached i just do and i and it's hard for me to say goodbye to anybody and i feel like this is where we cue a sad song yeah (laughs) and now you know why dia can't be gm so i mean just but well i mean uh, among other reasons but yeah i i can't i mean i i just i that was one of the things i always i never I had a lot of complaints about Olshay, but there was this twisted little part of me that kind of liked that he didn't like to get rid of people because I didn't stress about it. Like I always knew, okay, well, this guy's going to be safe because he's one of Olshay's guys so I can get attached. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> there was a little secret part of me that kind of liked that. Just don't get too attached. It's, you know, <laughs> gotta got to have some wins too. All right. Well, folks, we'll we'll leave it there. And next week when we talk to you, we will wrap up the season, uh, get a preview of keeping and yeeting, talk a little bit about the offseason in general terms, and then we'll walk with you week by week as we approach the lottery, uh, the draft, free agency, trade season, cap, uh, draft picks, you know, keep them or move them, all kinds of stuff. It's going to be a fun year. So until then, uh, for Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard, and we will see you soon. Enjoy the last three games. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. Cloud is on his feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent!